Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. The weather recently turned warm, and when the weather changes, either when it gets warm or when it starts to get cold, I get in the mood to watch horror movies. In the autumn, it's probably because of Halloween, but when it's warm in the spring, I think I start to associate it with the summer days when I would be able to stay home and watch movies all day. And often what I would watch when I would stay up late, because I was allowed to during the summertime, was scary films. I remember watching Christine on cable television with my mother. And the reason I remember it is because she was fascinated with the car in the movie. And it wasn't because of the type of car. From what I understand, she never owned a Plymouth herself. But because a car like that had push-button transmission, meaning if you wanted to go into reverse, you push a button. If you want to get into drive, you pushed a button. And she remembered this because a friend of hers, when she was growing up, had a car with the push-button transmission. And she had used it on the one time that she had played hooky from school. I love those kind of fun facts, and I remember it very well because when I was in high school and decided to play hooky and was caught by a neighbor who spotted me and my friends, I threw it right back at her and said, well, it's what everybody does. She looked at me and said, yes, it is what everybody does, and everyone who gets caught gets punished. Now that was logic I couldn't argue with. I think it was two weeks where I had to stay in, couldn't hang out with my friends. wasn't really much of a punishment because I loved staying in my room. So here we are at the beginning of spring, pollen is in the air, air conditioners are getting turned on, and I'm pulling out the horror movies. After catching Christine briefly on television, I decided that would be the first one I watched, and I did, and I'm glad I did, because it is a fun movie made by a great director, John Carpenter. And while it's not one of the scariest films John Carpenter ever did, it is different enough that I think it's really worth watching. So today, I'm going to talk a little bit about Christine. We'll talk about the people behind and in front of the cameras. We'll talk a little bit about the car in the film. We'll talk about the plot, the soundtrack, how well Christine did at the box office, and where you can get Christine today. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Christine was put out in 1983. It is adapted from the novel Christine, written by Stephen King, and was directed by John Carpenter. The film was released in 1983, but it is set in 1978. At the time, Richard Kobritz, who had produced Stephen King's Salem's Lot, was going to produce another King property, and he had two to choose from, Cujo and Christine. He chose Christine because he thought Cujo was just going to be too silly and that nobody would ever want to see it. 
I've seen both of the films and I like them equally. I find Cujo to actually be scarier than Christine, but maybe that's because there's something more visceral about a dog attacking you than a car. So a little bit about the plot of the film. The film begins in the late 50s in an automobile assembly line. One car, a red and white Plymouth Fury, rolls toward us. We know that this car is bad news because right at the beginning, the car injures somebody. And then when someone else goes inside and damages the seats with cigar ash, he is killed. Now, this was based on a book, and there's some difference here. In Christine the movie, Christine is just made bad. In the book, Christine is possessed by the spirit of its previous owner. There were a couple of subplots that, of course, were in the book that didn't make it to the movie, and as I go through it, I'll try to mention some of them. So this car eventually finds its way to a kind of nerdish fellow in 1978. His name is Arnold Arnie Cunningham, played by Keith Gordon. His only pal is a childhood companion who's now very popular but watches out for him, named Dennis Gilder, played by John Stockwell. Arnie has a run-in with the school bully, and this bully looks like he's in his 40s at this point. His name is Buddy Repperton, played by William Ostrander. Buddy is brought together with this rusty red and white fury and buys it for $250 from George LeBay, played by Roberts Blossom. Dennis thinks it's a horrible deal, but Arnie is smitten. At this point, we learn that the name of the car is Christine. From this point on, things get weird. Arnie starts to change. He gets more confident, and he learns to start fixing Christine. Then when things get bad for Arnie and Christine, Christine comes to life and goes on a killing spree. And there is some crazy stuff with this car chasing people down. Some of it is almost cartoonish, the way the car goes after people. And I think it has been parodied in some modern cartoons in some ways. Arnie had gotten the attention of a young woman, Lee Cabot, played by Alexandra Paul. But Arnie really only has room in his life for one woman, and that's Christine. And you think, okay, maybe Christine's not so bad. She's just kind of killing the bad people. But as it goes on, Christine starts taking the life of people who are innocent and people who are in Arnie's life. But at this point, it doesn't matter. And Lee and Dennis decide to destroy Christine. It is a tense fight with a bulldozer, but they manage to take Christine and, unfortunately, Arnie out with her. In the book, there are subplots that show Arnie really getting more degenerate as he gets involved in smuggling cigarettes that had to be cut. And at the end of the book, it's sort of implied that Christine survives. In the movie, her demise looks pretty final. When you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Today's show is brought to you by a local auto dealer. Need a friend or a homicidal car? Visit your local automobile dealer. Integrity is the key. It's the key to satisfaction. We give integrity by the carload. With every transaction. Love them cars. One of the cooler scenes in the movie is when Christine, who's all smashed up, regenerates herself. And the... Plymouth Fury in the film had a bunch of stunt doubles, and one of them was a mock-up made in plastic. Then hydraulic pumps were installed inside it, and when they were compressed, 
they would suck the paneling inward. And then footage of that inward crumbling was reversed and it made it look like the car was coming back to life and back to normal form. The car, that is Christine, was said to be a 58 Plymouth Fury. I don't know a ton about cars, but according to what I've read, the Fury itself was a sport and trim package on the Plymouth Belvedere. So the Christine that you see in the movie would be a two-door Belvedere. The Belvedere and Fury have actually become collector's items because so few of them were made. And while that might have saved the car as people caught onto it, people who were enthusiasts for the car at the time were angry because they had to smash and destroy so many of these Belvedere Furies in the film. There were 25 cars used in the film, and about 15 of them, maybe 16 of them, were destroyed in some way in the making of the film. In Stephen King's book, the car had four doors, but in the movie, this was changed to the two-door model because in 1958, there wasn't a four-door Plymouth Fury. Now, I mentioned that this had a push-button transmission. If you listen to the DVD commentary in the film, Keith Gordon, who plays Arnie, will tell you that he had a trouble with Christine's push-button operation, which seemed to match my mother's troubles when she tried to take the car down the shore and would confusingly try to push the button and would push the wrong one and be revving the gas and still be in neutral. Although if you watch the film, you never see those buttons get pushed. You can see them in some shots. They're near the steering column. After these messages, we will return. where they grow 7-Up, and from these, 7-Up gets its natural, light, refreshing taste. Crisp and clean, and no caffeine. <laughs> never had it, never will. Now, you already know how much caffeine Pepsi and Coke have, but did you know that Mellow Yellow and Mountain Dew have even more caffeine? Now, just try growing something like that around here. <laughs> Don't you feel good about 7-Up? <laughs> And now, back to the show. So a little bit about the cast. Keith Gordon played Arnold Arnie Cunningham. Gordon was born in 1961, probably best known for his work in Jaws 2, All That Jazz, Christine, and the 1986 Rodney Dangerfield comedy Back to School. He doesn't do much acting anymore. Instead, he's become a director of a lot of television with a pretty impressive resume. Now, I was reading that Scott Baio was considered to play the role 
of Arnie Cunningham, but filmmakers thought they would go with a no-name. I also read that Kevin Bacon was up for the role of the lead. Now, there's another actor, John Stockwell, who plays Dennis Gilder, the buddy of Arnie. And I have always thought that John Stockwell was very Kevin Bacon-ish. And I wondered, when I read that, was Kevin Bacon up for the Dennis Gilder role, or was he up for the Arnie Cunningham role? Because if he was up for the Arnie Cunningham role against Dennis Gilder, who was also very Kevin Bacon-ish, it would almost be Kevin Bacon playing against Kevin Bacon. And I guess Kevin Bacon, in the end, would be the ultimate Kevin Bacon. Although I think that in a Kevin Bacon-off, John Stockwell could give Kevin Bacon a run for his money. At the time that Kevin Bacon was offered this role, he instead decided to do Footloose, which turned out to be a pretty good decision. John Stockwell was also in Top Gun, but I remember him mostly from the film My Science Project, another great film. Alexandra Paul played Lee Cabot, the love interest of the film. Brooke Shields was considered for the role, but as I said, they wanted to go with the unknowns at the time, so they went with Alexandra Paul. Paul worked in movies and television, and is probably best known for her work on Baywatch. The great Harry Dean Stanton played Detective Rudolph Rudy Junkins. Stanton is a great character actor, really interesting to look at. He's been in a lot of stuff. Hard to know what to say he's best known for, because he's known for so many different things and has been working for so very long. If you're an 80s film fan, you might remember him from Pretty in Pink. If you're a 70s film fan, you might remember him from The Godfather Part Two or Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. If you're a science fiction fan, you might remember him from Alien. And if you're a John Carpenter fan, you're probably going to remember him from Escape from New York. Robert Prosky played Will Darnell. Interestingly enough, he was up for the role of Martin Crane in Frasier. Sadly, he did not get the role, although he did play Rebecca Howe's father on Cheers. Christina Belford played the mother, Regina Cunningham. If you like to watch 70s and 80s television, you will recognize her right away. She was in shows like The Six Million Dollar Man, Magnum P.I., The Incredible Hulk, and Murder, She Wrote. Roberts Blossom played George LeBay, passed away in 2011. He played the old man Marley in Home Alone and worked in a lot of television and movies, including a small role in Close Encounters of the Third Kind and a memorable appearance in Escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood. Kelly Preston played Roseanne. Preston is married to John Travolta. She was in Secret Admirer and Space Camp, and then in Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Preston has worked a lot. Rounding out the cast, you had Stephen Tash as Richie Trelawney, Malcolm Denaire as Moochie Welch, William Ostrander as Clarence Buddy Repperton, the head bully and the guy who looks too old to be in high school, although he looks a lot like the people my sister went to high school with, just aged a bit. And finally, Stuart Charno, another wonderful character actor, played Don Vandenberg. Charno was also in Friday the 13th Part 2, where he has the honor of being one of the few people to appear in the film who wasn't killed. He also played Harold Reptile Sherpico in Just One of the Guys. The film was directed by John Carpenter, Carpenter, director of Halloween and many, many other things. He also did the soundtrack for the film with Alan Howarth. Now, the film itself has some great period music, stuff from the 50s in it, but... When Christina's doing her evil stuff, you get that great electronic John Carpenter music. I don't think the soundtrack had been released when the film came out. It's not a very long soundtrack, maybe about 30 minutes. One of my favorite pieces, the 12th track, Christina Tax, which has that great heartbeat type John Carpenter music. Really worth picking up if you like soundtracks. 
The film was released on December 9th, 1983. In the theater at that time were things like Scarface, Sudden Impact, and Yentl. It opened up pretty well, number four on opening weekend, bringing in $3.4 million, and then slowly declined, staying in the top ten, though, for quite a while. In the end, the film grossed $21 million. She is seductive. She is passionate. She is possessive. She is pure, evil. She is Christine, a 1958 Plymouth Fury, possessed by hell. Her previous owner is not alive to warn her present one. Once she lures you behind the wheel, you will be hers, body and soul. There is no place you can hide, no place you can run, and nothing you can do can stop her. Because how do you kill something that can't possibly be alive? Christine, body by Plymouth, soul by Satan. If you're a Carpenter fan or a horror movie fan, you might have a complaint about the film, that it's just not violent enough for you. And it is not violent. I worked in a video store, and we were not supposed to show horror movies. But for some reason, the owner of the video store would let us show Christine, and we would all the time. I don't know if they didn't pick up on the fact that there's profanity in the movie, and that is why the film got the R rating. The people behind the film say they purposely put in salty language to get an R rating so that people would see that and go, okay, now I'm going to see a horror film, because that's what people expected at the time. If you're a fan of the film and want to see it now, it is widely available on DVD. There was also a Twilight Time release on Blu-ray that is very expensive if you didn't pick it up. The DVD, I think it's a pretty good one, has some special features. The special edition is pretty good. It's got expanded and deleted and alternate scenes in it, 20 of them to be exact, and some great commentary from people. Christine is one of those movies that at Halloween often gets passed over for scarier films. So if you're in the mood for something scary and it's not Halloween, maybe you also feel that warm weather is a good time for horror films. Why not pick up Christine? It has some language in it, but it's not very violent in the traditional bloody sense. So if you have younger people who you want to watch a horror film with, it might be a good introduction to the work of John Carpenter. It's a great Friday night movie, and I just hope that few of you will make it a part of your summer. Now, tell us something about engines. Rocket or turbine or gasoline, three different kinds of engines. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Providing mechanical energy is an engine's primary function. Engines burn fuel, chemical energy, to create heat, heat energy. The heat makes gases expand and exert force to cause motion, mechanical energy. In a gasoline engine, the fuel explodes inside closed spaces called cylinders 
and forces moving parts called pistons to move down and up. This motion makes the wheels turn. Providing mechanical energy is an engine's primary function. Tells it to come at them. Might just be too delusional to live. This has been a retrospection. Goodbye.